Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio is... Jason Rosenbaum. And... Joe Manis. And our special guest this week... Joshua Peters. Joshua Peters. Now, most people, I'm sure almost all of our listeners have read Jason's piece that sort of gave a profile of you and, and gave some of the background. But for those very select few... And shame on them who haven't read or listened <laughs> to Jason's piece. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Right, and the fact that you are a state rep. Sure, yeah. sure. So um, currently I'm serving as a state representative of the 76th District, which is um, pretty much incorporated into North St. Louis proper. Um, I am a son of St. Louis. I grew up in North St. Louis City, uh, graduated from Beaumont High School, uh, the first out of five to receive a high school diploma um, in my family. Uh, later went off to Lincoln University, uh, graduated magnum cum laude from there, uh, was tapped by uh, our congressman, Congressman William Lacey Clay, uh, to serve as a legislative assistant and office manager on his staff in Washington, D.C. Uh, did that for a couple of years and um, then was tapped by President Barack Obama uh, to serve on his staff as a confidential assistant to uh, Undersecretary Dr. Martha Cantor, uh, the Undersecretary of um, the U.S. Department of Education. How long were you there in that job? Uh, I was there just for about a half a year um, before the state representative seat opened up and I came back to run in a special election right. uh, to serve uh, the folks in, in, in the 76th district. Now, just to give our listeners a little bit of a background, back in 2012-2013, there were two vacant House seats. One was in southwest Missouri and one was in North St. Louis City because Chris Carter III, as we will call him from now on, uh, ran and won an aldermanic seat. That opened up the seat where the election was essentially this uh, committee process because it's a heavily Democratic seat. Whoever wins this committee basically won. And from what I understand, it was actually a very close race for that seat. I think you won by maybe one vote, if I'm not mistaken. Well, uh, one can say that, but the uh, person who had challenged me or who was put up to challenge me was uh, Ed McFowlin, who actually ran for recorder of deeds for the city Mm -hmm. of St. Louis. Um, and we know uh, now what uh, qualifications he has. Yeah, because he, he lost pretty <laughs> handily to somebody who resigned due to nepotism charges. Yeah, sure. Sharon yes. Carpenter, which a whole two other podcasts. Yes. <laughs> we're, not, we're not going down that rabbit yes. hole again. But, right. But then you, you, okay, you got that seat. You were there for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And tell me kind of about your experience in the Missouri House before we kind of go into the awful, horrible re-election campaign act. <laughs> well, it's been an experience. Um, I enjoy serving the people. Of course, being in the super uh, minority in, in, the, in the state legislature does not come with perks at all. Um, I, I, I live for the fact that I'm able to go into my office and serve folks um, with constituent works, for, serve the people in North St. Louis, and provide to them a, a, a level of expertise that not um, necessarily everyone in Jefferson City possess. Um, this experience that I have working on Capitol Hill in D.C., I'm able to bring that to the table, um, and, and, and that's unique. And I think that's why the folks in North St. Louis uh, chose me to continue to serve them. Yes, yeah, so that's a nice parlay or segue into your most rec- recent reelection campaign. And the reason I wrote that story was I really truly felt it was the most important election in St. Louis City. 
I some, agree. Say, I, I, so it's, <laughs> well, let's throw a backdrop for yeah. people who don't know. Now, the reason I mention that is, while I think that the license collector and recorder of deeds race are important in their own rights, they're really administrative jobs. So the person who's elected there does a certain position, and it's kind of interchangeable. With state reps and state senators, you can do a whole lot more thing than record deeds or issue licenses. And I'm being a little facetious here, but the race that you were in was a, a re-election between you and who we will call Chris Carter Sr. I know that you called him Willie Christopher Carter. That's his legal name. That is his legal name. <laughs> but what we'll call him for. We'll just call him just for, just to not avoid confusion. And the reason why it struck my interest was not only did I, did you strike me as a, a like a, a very bright and promising political figure, but you were going up against this political family that had been around for a while. The Carters. And maybe Joe can explain them just a little bit. Yes, uh, <laughs> Paula Carter, um, who has since deceased, uh, was a very powerful state senator who I knew personally, uh, who died almost 20 years ago now. And now she had been close to the Clays. But Paula had um, was very sharp, and the result was that several of her children— and nieces and nephews and others have also got into politics even after sh- her death. So the Carters, their base has been the, the 27th Ward. Yeah, the 27th Ward. And so now, um, uh, so some saw your election as state rep there as sort of impinging on their turf. I mean, the, I'm, 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 <laughs> just, I'm just laying this out for our listeners so, so they kind okay. of understand With the that background, what, what was the campaign like? Because to say that it got ugly is kind of an understatement, sure. and I don't want to drudge on the past too much, but it, it, it was a contentious, nasty race. What was it like running against this political family, basically? I enjoyed it, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I took um, the road that, you know— um, I'm doing this for the people. Um, I got into politics to serve my community. Um, I got into politics to make sure that folks in North St. Louis had their fair share um, of the pie. Um, for me, uh, I, I, I personally just was thrilled with knocking on doors and talking to the constituents. There were a bunch of folks who um, pretty much knew who this uh, quote-unquote dynasty was about, um, and they were tired. They were fed up with some of the, the policies and the the, uh, the things that they they are about um, in that area. Um, I I personally just got entrenched with the people, uh, knocking doors, talking to people, um, and 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 that's what drove me. Now there were some people who supported Chris Carter Sr. Mm-hmm. and I will include, you know, State Senator Maria Chappelle Nadal and Antonio French, aldermen, mm-hmm. several other aldermen, because in their words to me, they didn't like Lacey Clay, mm-hmm. the congressman, and they wanted to send a message to him. In fact, I remember talking for a while with Chris Carter the third and said that he had nothing against you, but mm-hmm. he had a huge problem with the congressman and that mm-hmm. was kind of driving the impetus and obviously you won mm-hmm. let's let's get the spoiler alert out of the way <laughs> you won actually pretty decisively and you actually won every ward yes. including the 27th yes. ward so would it be fair to say that some of the people that were trying to send a message failed to send that message not only against the congressman but against you basically well i can't i can't speak to that yeah um I can speak to the fact that I won, yeah. and and ultimately that's what matters in this particular situation. I think that the congressman um, had his own race. 
He supported a good candidate. He supported a person who understands politics and also understands policy, and I think that's important. Um, I do believe that uh, individuals such as um, Mrs. Nadal and um, Alderman uh, French and, and Alderman Chris Carter, they do what they think is best for their constituents. Um, with that being said, um, I have nothing against uh, either of them. I have nothing against um, uh, Mrs. Nadal and, at all. So um, I think that this comes down to actually making uh, a difference in policy. Now, can- n- now, do you think that the, the fact that you won uh, of course, you know, Congressman was active in the race as well. Mm-hmm. But did that send a message? I mean, maybe a different message than what the Carters had hoped to send I don't send know out, what message different... folks were looking for. I don't know what message um, well, was most there. Well, most races, I mean, there's a message. I there's mean, no message. The I message, mean, the message maybe for me— Maybe the message that you were the better candidate <laughs> or something like that. I think the message for me was simply— you know, hey, this is the guy who is about making changes, about progress. It's about bringing uh, 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 results to positive results to North St. Louis. And Congressman Clay stood by me, and I appreciate him for that. Yeah. So I, the only other question I want to get to Terry John on that race is, you know, both Senator Chappelle Nadal and Antonio French have kind of raised their profiles recently with mm-hmm. this Ferguson situation. I know you've been paying attention to it as well. Mm-hmm. And some of them, some people have been happy that they've gotten involved, and mm-hmm. some people have not been very happy that they got involved, especially the alderman who represents the city, not the county. I'm just curious if you have a perspective on their kind of rise to prominence or whether you're just kind of watching with disinterest (laughs) and moving on, essentially. I think there's always um, it's always good to have a positive voice in any sort of uh, situation, uh, such as what happened in North County. Um, Personally, I I would like to see um, uh, individuals um, allow the uh, process to play out, uh, the legal system to ultimately um, um, uh, bring some sort of result to the issue, to the crisis. Um, I, I really don't, I, I see nothing wrong with individuals coming out and speaking out against um, an injustice. And that's what they did. Well, yeah, let's kind of look forward on that situation because yeah. we've been asking our guests a lot about what happens next legislatively. Uh-huh. Um, because it seems like the state legislature is going to have to play a role mm-hmm. post-Michael Brown, whether it be changes to municipal course, changes to how policing happens, mm-hmm maybe changes to how governance in St. Louis County is. I was curious to just get your perspective on what you think the legislature right. should do next after Ferguson. Well, some folks, and with all the the, um, the news media being involved in everything else, I think people tend to forget that there was legislation proposed last year. One of the first pieces of legislation that I, that I, that I introduced uh, this past session dealt with um, ending, it was actually dubbed the Ending Racial Profile um, of 2014. Uh, which would have actually addressed or assisted with addressing this particular issue that happened with um, Michael Brown. Um, It pretty much outlined the fact that if a police department receives so many complaints um, of having racially profiled an individual or a race of people, then the attorney general of our state would have the authority to come in and withhold state funds and or take over the police department accordingly. Um, I I plan to reintroduce that piece of legislation. I believe also that we need to get some sort of uniformity with our elections um, so that the municipal elections are held during the same time as our general and our off-year elections. I think that there are some things that we can change and some small things, tweaks that we can make that can actually bring um, uh, 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 some some results, again, uh, to North County. Now, the the governor had a 
private meeting with members of the Black Caucus a couple of weeks ago. Were you there? I was not. Okay, okay, because I was because I was told that there was some discussion of such legislation. Mm-hmm. And and you know, talking about this legislation and and sort of other reactions, how optimistic are you that the state legislature will do something about this? I believe we have uh, three African American senators who will do what they think is best to make sure that it's at the top priority, that it's the top priority um, of the state legislature. Now, you have resigned from the Black Caucus, am yes. I correct? Do you want to explain that? Um, I, I I really just felt as if um, with this particular uh, past election that there were some um, some unsettling uh, actions that were taken uh, by some of the members of the Black Caucus. And I just think that it's time to move forward. Um, my, my, my role is to serve the people of the 76th District. I do believe that we still are going to agree on uh, certain policy. My, my focus is to make sure that we are addressing economic development in North St. Louis, that we're finding that there are uh, uh, jobs, folks who need jobs in North St. Louis, that I'm, that I'm bringing results again to the folks in my district. I will continue to work with the Black Caucus. I'm going to continue to support um, their endeavors. Uh, however, for me to be a member of the Black Caucus now, I think is um, a little um, unsettling for some. Will this affect, though, some of the legislation that you're just talking about that you hope to introduce. I mean, will they be able to to help you or will they will there be sort of a where you'll have to look for other allies like Republicans, for example? Well, I've worked, you, you know, yeah. um, Jason, that I have a bipartisan pieces of pieces of legislation that passed last year mm-hmm. um, and made it all the way to the Missouri House. Uh, I'm sorry, to the Missouri uh, Senate floor. Um, I don't think that it's going to affect it in any way. Yeah. So. You just uh, had a pretty busy week because you were at veto session. Um, you, I guess, were working till what four or five in the morning or something <laughs> yeah. like three, that. Three, three, three. I was there. <laughs> she was there. So, kind of tell me about your your general experience there. There were a record number of line item vetoes overridden, and I guess once you include the tax cut bill earlier this year, a record number of standalone bills overridden Although as well. there's legal questions about the line item vetoes, because then the governor just turned around and did withholds on all of them. So. So, so just what's your general impression of the veto session, what it means to the governor, that what transpired, transpired? Well, I, I think, I can't speak for the governor. The governor has his own slew of folks. Um, <laughs> no, but from can, a legislative but standpoint. I, I think it sends a message that um, we have to prioritize um, our legislation next year, that uh, Speaker Dill and uh, his leadership team will have to focus in on how we can work with the governor, how we can uh, see to it that we won't have to override so many vetoes, or so many bills, rather, um, in any given legislative session. I think that it comes down to individuals sitting down and compromising, and I think that's what we need to look forward to um, in the next veto session. Now, the, the congressman is a longtime friend of the governor's. Does that affect anything as far as when you're dealing with the governor's office? I mean, because you're close to the congressman, does that make it easier uh, for them to talk to you. I mean, you know what I mean? Because, look, look, politics in part is all about relationships, mm-hmm. as you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's true of both parties. Mm-hmm. And so people who get along well, sometimes you'll see legislation get through or whatever. And people who don't, it doesn't because mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, dis- I mean, uh, disagreements that could be totally unrelated. Yeah. So and I'm, I'm, I'm curious if the mm-hmm. governor's office has been friendlier to you than to some other... Um, well, I, I really don't know yet because I have yet to get a piece of legislation on his desk. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I understand that. Well, um, to be honest with you, I there's I 
I petitioned the governor early on in my political career uh, to serve on the board of curators of Lincoln University, uh-huh. and I never received that appointment. Still haven't heard any word <laughs> from the governor's office. So okay. uh, <laughs> that should answer your question. You heard it first here. <laughs> What's your relationship with John Deal, who's, who's the, who will soon be the Speaker of the House? Uh, Speaker Deal was, uh, well, John Deal was one of the first um, elected officials in the Missouri House who actually reached out to me and congratulated me on my election. Um, and I look forward to working with the speaker. I look forward to working with our leadership team on the de- Democratic side as well. Yeah, because one of the interesting things that I've, I've been following kind of, you know, the state legislative black caucus for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that some tend to be more effective than others by being pragmatic. And one of the ways that you have to strike this balance is you, you have to have the re- level of relationships with Republicans in order to get anything done. But if you're too pragmatic, you kind of get castigated as like a Republican (laughs) sellout, essentially. I don't really think you're on that level. Mm -hmm. I think you're kind of trying to be in the middle there. Mm -hmm. That's been my perception because you vote against Republicans on a whole bunch of different issues. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of a fair assessment or is that kind of oversimplifying things? Well, I I think that um, I just want to do what's best for the people of the 76th district. And that's what I think is 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 my um, that's my my end goal. Um, there are some issues that I re- agree with um, that the Republican Party put up, um, and there are quite a few that I don't agree with. Such as what? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, on the agreement side, such um, as. I do believe that uh, we we need to find a better way to um, appropriate funds to certain uh, uh, different uh, agencies in our state. Um, I do believe that we we can compromise when it comes to um, the arts. Um, hence the fact that Speaker uh, Tim Jones appointed me to the Missouri Arts uh, Board, Trust Board. Um, those are some of the things that I think that we can work together on. Um, some of the things that I don't agree with is, um, of course, right to work, mm-hmm. um, abortion, um, just some of the, the more of the moral issues that I think are kind of absent. And I even go against my own faith as a Catholic, mm-hmm. um, uh, stepping out, for the interests of the folks of my district. Now, one of the other things that you disagree with a lot of Republicans on was this school transfer bill. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was thinking about this earlier, that um, when you looked at the divide between the House and the Senate Black Caucus, it was wide. And this kind of personifies it right here. The fact that you, Representative Clem Smith and Representative Michael Butler, were all vehemently opposed to it, even though you three pretty much run in completely different political circles. Mm -hmm. The fact that you were able to find unanimity on that pretty much showcased how divided the two caucuses were. Mm -hmm. So uh, before we get into where we go forward on this, because I I think that this is still an important issue, even though that bill didn't pass, I'd like you just to explain why you didn't like that particular bill and why you thought there was such a big divide between the House and the Senate. I didn't like the idea of a rapid expansion of charter schools. I didn't like the fact the number one issue that I had with that bill was school vouchers. And I I do not agree with school vouchers under any uh, situation or circumstances. Uh, I I did like the fact, and I do like the fact, that the the bill dealt with um, allowing students to continue to uh, attend Francis House School District um, and, and others transferring uh, neighboring districts um, in, a, in, a, in an unaccredited school district um, area. I, I do believe that, that there are some issues um, behind the scenes that also motivated some to not support the piece of legislation, the way that it was presented, the players involved, 
and um, it's either you take this or you you have nothing. Anything specific you want to? No. <laughs> you you did propose going into a closed session about that. Do you want to yes, sort of explain? Well, that that came from my my days in 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 um, the course in Congress, uh, spending time in Congress. There, I believe in Jeff City. There's this atmosphere that um, it's a citizens' legislator. So anyone can come in. If you're a senator, if you're a representative, you can go into the Senate chamber. If you're a senator, you can go into the the, the House chamber. Um, however, that it sometimes brings undue influences um, into the legislative process. And that's what I wanted to keep out. Um, I wanted to keep the lobbyists out. I wanted to keep uh, senators from the other chamber out to allow us to discuss. And rightfully so, we will stay out of their business as well. Um, I just think that there's a courtesy. That, that, that should be uh, given to House members as well as to Senate members um, when we talk about debating and discussing policy. And just for the record, I have nothing against the press. I know that the press, some of those in the press, um, felt as if uh, I was trying to keep the press out, and that's not what my intent was. In fact, there's a letter on record that shows that I sent uh, Speaker Dill, I'm sorry, uh, Tim Jones, a letter requesting him to keep the chamber open to the press. Yeah, I think. Um, I, I, yeah, I think I was one of the people who were like, "Whoa, you're kicking the press out!" No, no, no. But, but I, I think I understood the the purpose of yeah. it. But I think it it did it was controversial. There's yes. no doubt, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But let's look a little bit forward with this bill because this bill didn't even come up for an override. Mm-hmm. I think the writing was on the wall because it only received 89 votes in the in the in the in regular the, session, yeah, and, the regular it, session. and it would have required 20 more. To, yeah, mm-hmm. correct. So Deal and Jones yeah. didn't even. That's that's a that's a very very tall order given yeah. there was pretty fundamental philosophical disagreements mm-hmm. on the bill, but I mean. The issue, I think, is still ripe. I mean, there's still failing school districts in St. Louis County. I think St. Louis City schools, I think that they've done better. I guess their latest uh, um, scores have gone up, which I think is good because the the idea of that becoming unaccredited would probably be a catastrophe for St. Louis County. But do you think that there's going to be the political will to do something on this issue next year after there was a bill passed and it didn't go anywhere and it caused all this contentiousness between the two chambers? Well, I I think it's still something that will be on the forefront. Um, I I look forward to uh, proposing legislation to address the uh, school transfer issue, Uh, also to um, hopefully uh, bring some sort of result or some incentive, if you will, uh, to to allow students to get out of the, excuse me, school districts to get out of the the provisional status. I I don't think that we have something in place right now that will allow schools that fall into the provisional uh, realm to be able to get out of that and get back into accreditation. I think we see a lot of a high percentage of schools falling directly into the unaccredited uh, uh, phases of, of, of Desi's formula. So we need to we need to reevaluate those. We need to those uh, formulas and we need to see how we can bring about uh, change in those areas. Um, and I look forward to working with people um, in the educational committee, such as uh, Representative uh, Tommy Pearson, um, uh, uh, Janice Monticello and, 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 and others. So. Yeah, I mean, you're a product of the St. Louis City Schools, Absolutely. as I kind of mentioned before. And I I have to admit, I'm looking at their situation with a personal interest because I do have a young son. And ideally, I'd like to send him to the St. Louis City Schools, whether it be through the gifted program or whatever. And you I'm, should. And, and I, I think that there's some benefit in going through the public school system in St. Louis City. But a lot of people who are, you know, are like me who are upper middle class and white, Mm -hmm. they basically decide to send their kids to private school if they live in the city. Based off your experience, you went to Beaumont High School, which was not the easiest school to go through. Mm -hmm. 
what what's kind of your feeling on the status of the city schools? Do you feel like they're on the upper trajectory or do you think that there's still a lot of work to be done before they can be appealing to a, a wide group of people in the city, black and white, mm -hmm. rich and poor or whatever, basically? Uh, first, let me say that I, I, I think that uh, Dr. Adams is doing an excellent job leading the uh, the St. Louis school school district. Um, I do believe that there are some changes, some serious changes that must be taken um, to bring St. Louis City Public Schools back to the beacon in which it was. Um, I, I, I'm concerned that um, we don't have enough open-minded individuals um, who are uh, policy changers and shapers who, who are willing to take the, the necessary steps uh, to see to it that uh, that we that we reach the end goal of of being a a accredited school district. Hmm. Um, it's going to take tough decisions. It's going to take individuals who are willing to compromise. And I think that we're even going to have to look at our teachers unions um, and 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 see what they have to offer and how we can compromise a little uh, to to bring some results. Do you think it'll be able to do that when it's still in the special board, or do you think it's going to have to be a situation where it returns to its elected status eventually for it to get better? Or the reason it was put in a special board in the first place because they didn't think the elected board was doing a good job, essentially. Right. Does it have anything to do with it, or is that more window dressing in your view? I always believe in local control. I think that the school board is perfectly fine. I think that the elected school board can bring us to the to the status of being accredited. I believe that the special administrative school board can bring us to the status of being accredited because at the end, it all relies on the students. I, I believe in the students. I, I'm a product of the public school district. It got me all the way to the White House. It got me here to serve uh, in, in, in the General Assembly of Missouri. So I believe that it, it, it's, it's about parents it's about the teachers. It's about the community supporting the student. Well, and also got you to the studio right here as well. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you, you made it. Well, You've made it. One of the things I wanted to talk about kind of in our waning minutes is, um, you know, you kind of mentioned you're in this super minority in the Missouri House. And I know that they're uh, Democrats. That's what I meant. And I think that there's been kind of a concerted effort on the high level of the Democratic Party to hopefully, for your sake, change that. Um, but, you know, the fact remains the Democratic Party here in the state has done a pretty substandard job at winning elections at the legislative level over the last couple of cycles. I mean, when Scott Sifton won his Senate seat, that was the first Senate seat I believe the Democrats took from a Republican in four or six years, or basically. So what I'm trying to go at is what's kind of your feeling about November? Do you feel like you're going to have more Democratic colleagues, or do you feel like you're going to be in a sense where you're going to be kind of in the similar situation or a worse situation right now? I hope that um, we pick up more seats. That's my hope. Um, unfortunately, I don't necessarily believe that the Democratic Party has the infrastructure in place to do so. Um, and that's just being honest. Anything um, particular that you want to I think that out? we need to do a better job with fundraising, also including uh, individuals in primaries. For instance, in my race, um, I receive no support Um with the exception of um, van access um, from the Democratic Party. Uh, I think that's something that we need to address moving forward. Um, in return, and, you know, and I'm going out now, I'm going out and I'm going to campaign for individuals like John Wright, who's in a tough um, race. I'm going to campaign for folks like Jill Shoup because I believe in what, what it is that they bring to the table. So I think that there's a, a, a true um, um, barrier in place right now. 
that is kind of preventing us from moving forward and actually picking up seats. Yeah. Well, what do you think it's going to take to turn that around? I mean, obviously, Coster and McCaskill gave a lot of money, and that money seems to have been washed away essentially by Sinkfeld giving even more money mm-hmm. to, mon- to ind- independent groups, yeah, which, not through Republican but, Party. Which, which could give to, to I mean, that those groups could give, you know, $200,000 to Paul Wheeland or $300,000 to Jay Ashcroft. And the money that Coster and McCaskill get is pretty much neutralized at that point. Is that part of the problem, too, that the Republicans' big donors are just seemingly, like, unlimited? Or is it well, more just the candidates? Races, in my opinion, I mean, I've been in politics for a short while now. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that it comes down to money. I mean, my camp, my opponent outspent me, outraised me uh, tremendously. I don't think that that's where the issue is. I think it goes simply comes down to Coster, McCaskill, and others um, in the Democratic Party going out, knocking doors with these people, going out to town hall meetings and talking to these people why they support this particular candidate, knowing that these individuals um, are bigwigs. They, I mean, they can influence anything, right? Uh, we're talking about Senator McCaskill and, 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 and Attorney General Chris Coster. Um, these are individuals who make a difference, and I think it's going to take more than money. It comes down to actually going out, knocking doors, um, mobilizing uh, uh, Democrats in these rural areas uh, to run for office, mobilizing them to um, organize and essentially winning elections. So we've talked uh, about the school transfer bill, and we've talked a little bit about your bill relating to Ferguson. What are some other issues, or at least one other issue, that you're going to be looking at for next session? Economic development. What would you like to do specifically? Uh, One of the things that I would like to do is um, get the Armory uh, Reserve um, on Goodfellow and Highway 70 developed into a Home Depot or something of the sort. Uh, St. Louis is one that I think is on the move. I think our city is um, is in the forefront right now of being one of the greats. I think that it's going to take economic development in North St. Louis um, to bring about change. Folks need jobs. It's going to improve our uh, our school system, I believe. I believe that it include uh, 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 help our our uh, tax base, and it will uh, bring the results that we're looking for um, in North St. Louis. So that's that's my goal, and I I will. Uh, see how it comes to fruition. Do you think that there's a cohesive enough block that represents the city or the county in the Mm. legislature to really get big economic development things done? Because let's take your Mm. race out of the equation for a second. Mm. I've noticed for years that the African-American leadership around here, at least on a state legislative level, has been essentially fighting with each other for for a long time. Mm. And it seems like they can never get together to do big things, at least from a surface level. Do you think that that could you all can come together to really do big things for North St. Louis? I'm saying now I am willing to work with anyone, um, whether they're white, they're white, black, green, purple, yellow, yeah. whatever. Especially the uh, purple people. <laughs> but I, I definitely want to. Um, I'm open to sitting down with any of the older people. I'm open to sitting down with any of the uh, uh, African American elected officials uh, to to see what we can do to mobilize change. You have to organize to mobilize. Um, this race I'm able to put behind me. Um, I'm able to to look past this because I, I believe at the end um, individuals have the right. That's part of the democratic process. You have the right to run for an office and you have the right to support who you want to support. But at the end of the day, we all have a job to do. We all have to look towards the future. We all have to look at 
how we can be above politics um, to bring results for the people because ultimately they are suffering. The folks up there are suffering. I asked this similar question to Michael Butler when he was first running, and I want to ask it to you. Let's assume that you stay for eight-plus years in the House. I guess, can you only stay seven and a half years because of term limits or whatever? Well, they offered it slightly, so you can stay a partial. Yeah. He's in in an odd situation because when he was elected, I think you were elected, what, in— February or April. April. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're allowed to serve another four terms because of the term limits. But let's (laughs) be that as it may. If you if you serve your full tenure in the Missouri House, what is one big thing you want to accomplish as a legislator that would make your district or St. Louis better? Essentially, what would be what would be what would that be? Well, there's two things. Um, one, I would like to see Lincoln University receive um, the money that it was promised um, and over 100 years ago with this 1890 land-grant status. Um, the matching funds um, as a historically black college and university has not been given to the univer- Lincoln University. Um, I was very successful this past term of getting uh, $500,000 put into the budget um, towards that, that, that land-grant status so that Lincoln University can continue the work that it's doing um, with agriculture as well as the satellite campus that, it's, that it has in my district. And, of course, me being a product of Lincoln University, I want to see that institution succeed. Uh, the second thing is I would love to see uh, St. Louis Public Schools Uh, receive its accreditation. That's key. I believe that that can fix the problems that we have now with uh, individuals in my generation and younger. Um, We have to prepare. We have to educate. We have to make sure that the kids have a a place um, where they can feel welcome, where they can learn, and ultimately succeed, because that's what it's all about. It's about making sure that the next generation is able to succeed. And on that note, I'll close this out here. Uh, You can read all of our stories at STL Public Radio. You can go back and listen to Jason's story about the race. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at at CSMcDaniel. Jason, you can be followed on Twitter. Jay Rosenbaum. And Joe, you can be followed. Uh, Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And the representative can be followed on Twitter, I believe. J-P-S-D-L. Very good. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll be back next week. Until then, so long. Thanks.